When I left the hospital, it was tough because I did like my coworkers, I did like what I was doing, but I just knew that I wasn't being valued. And so, and I was making really good money, to be honest. So, um, you are now listening to the Fail to Grow podcast, where we talk about everything from failure, setbacks, disappointment, and how we use that to become the best version of ourselves. I am your host, Juan Young. Let's get it going. Yeah, man, I'm excited to talk to you and um, yeah, and hear your perspective. I think that you have a very unique perspective. And um, yeah, man, I've been watching what you've been doing on social and kind of following the um, some of the amazing things that you're doing and you've been killing it. Um, and so I have a perspective that generally people are, who are fairly creative, uh, like yourself, um, I don't know if you would consider yourself a creative or not, but I do. Yeah. Yeah. They tend to have a, we tend to have a, a different perspective on a lot of things. Um, we view things a little differently sometimes, setbacks, challenges, things like that. And so I thought it was going to be really interesting to kind of hear different people's perspective on failure and setbacks and, and all of that, man. Is that, is that some, some wine from 1010 wines right there or what? Um, yeah, so it is. Um, I am drinking some wine. <laughs> Um, it's actually from um, a Black-owned winery uh, that we follow, so they send us a bunch of stuff. So. Oh, that's dope. All right, cool. So we'll go ahead and hop into it because I know your time is valuable um, while you're quarantining and uh, figuring out a whole bunch of different things to do. Uh, yeah. Do you want me to talk more along the lines of 1010 or more of like my event planning business? I mean, we're going to talk a little bit about both. I mean... Okay. Yeah, I mean, um, and kind of see where the conversation takes it. Um, I I will preface it with, you know, I think that um, when I was thinking of this and I was thinking of the idea of, you know, failure, setbacks, disappointments, things like that, one of the things that I was really interested in hearing from different people in different industries, people who are entrepreneurs, people who work in the corporate world, people who are still in school, and just the really talking about the nuances and the range of what people view as failure because some people some people think um some people some people's perspectives of around failure or you know setbacks and things like that is very different very interesting and it Mm -hmm. doesn't necessarily have to be specific to um like something that you're doing as far as the entrepreneurial journey it could even really just be about um you know, I know that from my own personal life, I mean, I've had things that have not went well or things that I would call a failure and in, in outside of the entrepreneurial world. But really, I think this whole thing is just talking about like mindset, perspective, and um, what do we do when, when life, you know, gives us a blow and whether that's a blow in our business uh, along, you know, trying to become this entrepreneur and building a multi-million dollar business or billion dollar business or a hundred thousand dollar business or you know, whether that's in your marriage or relationships or whether that's just, you know, at the job, like, how do we, how do we deal with those? Right. And so, yeah. So, I mean, if, if some of these things we talk about, if you want to, you want to, you know, talk about your, your newer um, business venture, it's something that you've been doing for a while. I know that you, you know, you really, you have a lot of experience under your belt when it comes to the entrepreneurial thing. And I I know with uh, just, seen some of the ebbs and flows of entrepreneurship i'm sure you can speak towards that too so whatever you want to whatever you want to 
discuss is fine with me, man. Cool. All right. Sounds good. So I know, I mean, obviously I have a bio, obviously I've been, um, you know, I follow you on the gram and, and we have mutual friends and things like that. Um, but for those who may not know, can we just talk a little bit about who you are, kind of your background, um, and kind of like walk us into the, the, where you are today and kind of what that journey has been. Yeah, definitely. So um, born and raised in Los Angeles, uh, went to school, or uh, went to high school here. Um, I have two sisters and uh, we grew up with both of our parents um, in the home. So we always just felt like a team. So it was like me and my sisters and my parents, like we just kind of felt like a team. So my parents were always like very just like real and direct with us. I feel like even when I was like a kid, there were things that I understood that I'm sure that other kids like my age didn't probably know or understand. And that's just because my parents, more so my mom was just like very direct with us. Um, And so after high school, I moved to Arizona to go to college, Uh, stayed there um, for a couple years after graduating, um, and then actually decided to move back home. I was actually kind of considering it. I was just ready to kind of come back to LA, but then decided to move home because my mom um, had gotten sick. And so I came home to kind of help take care of her um, and just wanted to be left back around my family. Um, So I moved back to LA um, when I was 24 um, and have been back ever since and just working and being around family. And yeah, so that's kind of... um, how I'm here today. <laughs> cool. Uh, you you mentioned kind of, and I mean, I know we'll probably talk about it a little bit um, when we talk about like kind of the failure, a significant failure or some sort of setback that you kind of want to share and talk about. But um, I am really interested, I'm, I'm saying this so I can remember it, of kind of what those conversations around um, as, a, as a father myself now, right, with a two-year-old, uh, one of the things that we've seen whether it's the the USC scandal with the parents paying to get the kids in, there is a lot of the parents thinking that it's the best to keep their kids from exposure to failure. And so mm-hmm. building and creating an environment where they never experience it. Right. Whether right. That's the participation trophies, whether it's the, you know, you I coach baseball, the kid strikes out and it's, Oh yeah, great job. And it's right, like, right, oh, right. Yeah. yeah necessarily yeah. do a great job and right. so i am interested if, if you want if you could just kind of talk quickly a little bit about that like what is what was that like i mean you said mom was real direct was it you know conversations around failure and, and everything's not going to go your way how was that growing up yeah. so my my grandfather uh was an entrepreneur and he actually never worked for anyone so he was grew up in louisiana at 12 years old, he worked for his dad. Um, and then after that, he went to the military. And then after that, he never worked for anybody else again. And so that was kind of the my mom's mindset. So I would see my mom, um, she was a nurse, so I would see her uh, provide nursing care at hospitals and things like that. And then I would see her come home and work on her side hustle. And so I've seen my, I saw my mom start you know, several businesses that 
you know, a couple were successful, a couple weren't, but it wasn't anything where it was like sugar coated to us. My mom would be like, okay guys, like, uh, she started like a CPR business. So we would all get in the car and we would help her load in like the mannequins or whatever those, the little body. And, you know, and we like, oh, this class only has two people, but the one we were at last week had seven, you know? So we were very aware of like what, you know, our parents were involved with and they were very direct with us. And, you know, it's funny that you asked that because um, my older sister, who um, is also an entrepreneur, she had just made a post about uh, my dad yesterday because he was, my mom uh, eventually passed away. And so my dad was supposed to get remarried yesterday. And so he, you know, we were all excited, but the whole Corona thing, you know, the wedding didn't happen. So we were all just kind of, you know, just, being extra sensitive to him yesterday. And so she wrote a post about how my dad has always just been like a really uh, big driving force for us. And she made the example of how she played club volleyball or wanted to play club volleyball in high school. And she thought she was kind of like a big shot. She goes and tries out for the team and she doesn't make it. And so my dad, after the tryouts was like, do you want to do this? And she was like, yes. And so he spent the whole next year like going to volleyball clinics and things like that so that he can learn how to teach her. And so we went to all the UCLA volleyball games and all that other stuff. So those were just the type of people that my parents were like very involved and then just very, very like direct and transparent with us. And I think that that has helped us, you know, in our adult life, um, in business, uh, especially because we're just able to be like, you know, we're just straight shooters. So we're not shooting the shit. <laughs> like, this isn't working. Let's move on. Yeah. Um, I think that that has reflected in uh, my business, my sister's businesses, and has really been beneficial for us. And I really draw that connection right back to my parents. I know that that came from nowhere else. Dope. Yeah. So what would you say is, I mean, what would, what is that moment? What was, I mean, you're an entrepreneur, just whether it's in entrepreneurship or just in life, what was kind of that quote unquote failure or that setback that really had a significant impact of kind of shaping perspective or um, just kind of when you look back over your life, you're like, yeah, that was a moment where, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, you know, I think that it's several things. Um, you know, I think that, I mean, number one, I think that literally I started my business. My older sister started her business um, within months after my mom passing away. So I think that that was like a huge kick in the butt for all of us because it's just like, hey, there's so many things that you want to do. There's so many things that you're passionate about. And you can literally see, you know, dreams and passions pass away with someone who's young. My mom was 54, you know, so she still had a lot of things that she wanted to do. And I think that none of us talked about it directly with each other, but I think it was all kind of understood. Like, we don't want to be in a position to where we have all these dreams and ideas, ideas, and they don't come to pass. Right. Um, so I think that that was one thing. And then I think the second thing for me is I, um, you know, we kind of talked about being creative and things like that. I think, you know, when you are creative, it's hard to, um, you know, create in a space that's like a nine to five. And so I think over the years, I kind of just got tired of, you know, having to be somewhere at a certain time every single day or having the expectation for, you know, certain things to be done um, 
in a way that someone else thinks is the best way for it to be done. But um, if you ask any of my wedding clients, they think I'm crazy because they get emails from me from 1 a.m. till 3 a.m. And it's not because, you know, that's just like when my mind works, that's when I'm thinking. And so now I've started to schedule them to go out at 8 a.m. so that they're not like, okay, she's working all night, but I really am. And it's not that I'm not like getting rest and things like that, but that's just how my mind works. And so um, that's not possible, <laughs> you know, in a corporate nine to five kind of job. I can't say, all right, I'm going to go into the office, you know, at 9 p.m. and, you know, knock this out. But, you, you know, it's just not possible. So I think just like um, just having several situations where um, it, it just didn't work when I was in the corporate world, I think that that was like a kick in the butt for me. Like, let me see what I need to do to kind of redirect because this isn't, this isn't the way I want to live my life. <laughs> Did you have any, any specific experiences in the corporate world that you're like, yeah, like this is further proof that I need to be doing my own thing. Yeah, I mean, I think the last job that I worked, I worked at a hospital and I was doing something I loved. I was planning events. I was interacting with donors um, to bring in funds for the hospital. And it was a small community hospital. So I believed in their mission. I loved the people that I worked with. Um, but... <laughs> it was clear that everyone else that was at my level um, wasn't doing shit, right? And I was literally picking up the slack for everyone on my team. And um, at the time I had my wedding planning business, but I wasn't doing it full time. So there'd be times where I'd leave for lunch to go meet with the client and then come back. And pretty much my boss told me uh, right before I quit that, you know, I was taking too long of a lunch, but although I'm taking like a long lunch, it's like people aren't even producing what I'm producing, like, and I'm doing other people's jobs because these people aren't doing what they needed to do. Um, and so, you know, he called me in the office and just gave me a list of things that, you know, taking long lunch, coming in late, you know, all of these things that he was just like, you know, but not acknowledging the fact that <laughs> I was bringing in more money than everybody else. I was producing more events than everybody else, you know, all of these different things. And so for me, that was, um, that was just like the, the straw that broke the camel's back and was just like, you know what? I'm literally at this point, I was working till one, two, three AM because I had to, because I was working my nine to five and then working my business on the side. So I was like, why am I killing myself? My wedding business is bringing in enough money to literally like feel like a failure when I go into work because I took an extra 20 minutes for lunch, but I know I'm doing really good work. So the effort for me was like, yeah, it's time to go. <laughs> it's interesting that you talked about starting your business after your mom passed. Mm -hmm. My mom passed in 2010. Okay. Entrepreneur. She uh, owned a preschool and I watched her grow this preschool. I mean, she started when my little brother who were, were little brothers, not little, but we're four years apart. But when she was pregnant with him, she ended up leaving the post office that God told her that it's time to start this business, started this business. And, and I mean, at the time of her passing, I was like the assistant director for preschool. So I worked with her like I saw, you know, I saw the times when couldn't make payroll and, and she went to sleep and didn't wake up. So it was very quick. 
Wow. On a Friday and then Monday I was running her, you know, I was then had to step up and run her business. And I think that, you know, it's not a, although it's not a, that's not a failure, right? It's a setback. It's something that you don't expect, right? You've planned your life to be one specific way. And she was 55, right? Mm -hmm. So you expect your life to be a specific type of way and people to be around a little longer then, and then things change. And I know for me, it really shifted perspective for me. It shifted perspective of importance of, I know you, you just mentioned like, man, I have all these dreams. It's time to go after them, right? Like, I don't want to, I can't let these dreams die inside of me. And so um, I'm just curious of, did it, what, you know, did that, that situation and starting your business, did you at times feel that starting your business at that moment was the right decision? Or did you, did you ever feel like, ah, maybe I should have waited or, you know, or this is, this is exactly what you needed at that time? Yeah, I think the latter, I think it was like, you know, and like you said, it, it was a huge shift of perspective. So it wasn't um, anything that like I even really thought about. I just was like, you know what? And I was uh, my mom's main caregiver. So I, when I moved back to LA, I was interning for a wedding planner and literally my, the rest of my family was supplementing my income by like, <laughs> because I was my mom's primary caregiver. So my dad, my sisters would pay for my car note and all of these other things because I was, you know, giving care to my mom. So then when she wasn't there anymore, I now have this huge chunk of time. Um, and I also don't have any other commitments besides my internship. Um, so what, what else could I be doing? Right. So it really just gave me, um, just the space to, And I'm not going to say like, you know, my mom died on a Thursday and I was, you know, starting my business on Monday. Like I definitely, um, you know, had to go through uh, several other things before like just getting started. But it definitely was a kick in the ass for me to like, let's let's do this. Right. So, um, yeah. So so talk to me a little bit about because I know your businesses, but talk to me a little bit about you chose to go into the event planning industry. Right. Why event planning? And how did, how did, how did you come to that particular conclusion? Like, you know, yeah, I'm gonna start doing events. And then, um, and then I'm gonna talk to you. And then I'm gonna ask a couple questions about specifics. I mean, I've done a few events. Some have went amazing. Right. <laughs> some have been the, the worst events I've ever, um, <laughs> have been involved in but uh so yeah talk a little bit about that just the event planning and kind of how you got into that so i i've always been extremely organized um and so i knew that whatever profession i went into um i wanted my organizational skills to be used uh but i didn't really know what that looked like and so um I would always host like little parties and dinners and things like that and you know everyone else would I would go to their house and they would hold something and we're eating off of paper plates, but people came to my house and I'm like, Oh, it's not normal that I did this whole spread with a linen and florals, you know what I'm saying? Like, I just thought that that's what people did. Right. Uh, and so it wasn't until like people would, you know, like, Oh my gosh, that was so nice. Like, wow. You, you know, that I realized like, Oh, people enjoy this. People pay for this. Um, and so also when I went off to college, um, you know, I, 
I'm in a sorority, so like we, I planned all of our sorority events. I used to um, do community events for like our black student organization and things like that. Um, so that's kind of where um, it kind of turned from like just like a passion and having fun with it to actually like having to meet deadlines and managing budgets and working with other people and things like that. Um, and then, like I mentioned, I moved back to LA. I interned for a wedding planner, uh, and that's kind of when I decided, like, okay, this is what I want to do, and this is um, a field where I feel like I can really use the skills that I have organizationally and then also being creative um, all in one space. So. Um, my business does planning and design and some, uh, wedding businesses just do planning. Some wedding businesses just do design. Um, but we're lucky enough to be able to do both. Um, and I think that's just like a reflection of, you know, my skill set because I am able to do both. Um, so I love it. And so that's kind of how I got here. <laughs> I'm a firm believer of, I don't know, you ever played connect four? We literally were just like my family is in the other room playing it right now. <laughs> I've always had this analogy of um, life is very similar to Connect Four because, you know, the when you play against kids in Connect Four, they're usually really good. And yeah. The reason yeah. why I think my theory why kids are really good is because they have no strategy generally. They mm -hmm. start putting things, they start dropping, dropping, dropping. All of a sudden, they see four. Whereas we're overthinking right, strategy right. and we're, you What's know, the most of the <laughs> so I equate, like, I think life is very similar to that. And I think, you know, when you are able to be still at some point and you're able to reflect over the experiences of your life, mm -hmm. you're able to see like, oh man, I dropped this red, you know, little thing over here, you know, four years ago when I started working at the hospital. And even though that experience may not have been the greatest experience, now I'm doing this over here and now I can see how these things are connecting. So right. can you, how do you, I mean, even though that the, kind of the experience of, and even you left the hospital and maybe not the greatest experience at that moment, can you see how some of the, that experience makes you a better entrepreneur or oh. learn some things? What, what, what would you say that you gained from kind of that experience? Yeah, no, a thousand percent. I think, I always say that nothing is done to you, it's done for you. So even if it sucks, I feel like you can, you learn from it. There's something, it's a setup for something. Mm -hmm. And so, you know, people have asked me that before, like, do you, because when I left the hospital, it was tough because I did like my coworkers. I did like what I was doing, but I just knew that I wasn't being valued. And so, and I was making really good money to be honest. So, um, to get, to be able to like just walk away from that um and at the time i had just bought a condo like you know it's all these different things and so when i'm like talking through it with myself i'm like this is a horrible idea why am i doing this but i knew that it was time to go but um when people have asked me that question in the past it's like you really do reflect and think about it i <laughs> was at a hospital i was fundraising i was asking people for anywhere between $20,000 to a million dollars. And if you can ask somebody for a million dollars with a straight face, literally there's like, <laughs> there's nothing you can't do. Like you can literally do anything. Right. And so a lot of planners that, um, you know, come to me that are younger and like need mentorship. And the biggest thing with plan event planning is figuring out what are you going to charge? Because it isn't um, a tangible service. Right. So 
you know, how do you figure out what your price is so that you're able to, you know, so that you're being paid for your experience, for your time and all of those other things. Um, and so, you know, it's hard, like playing, paying, a, paying a wedding planner is not cheap, you know, so it's hard to tell somebody like, yeah, this is the service that I offer and it costs $8,000 or, you know, whatever the case may be. If I didn't have the experience that I had at the hospital, I think that that would have been more difficult for me. But now I'm saying like, <laughs> this is what the price is. Like, if you're able to pay it, great. If you're not, let me see if there's other, you know, if there's something else that I can customize for you. But I don't have a fear of like just saying what I charge. Like it is what it is. And I think that that comes from literally walking into a meeting and saying, hey, these are the things that we need for the hospital. It's going to cost $100,000. We'll put your name on the building. Do you want to do it? Right? So um, that's definitely a skill that I can see came directly from working at the hospital and other things too, just like relationships um, that I still have today. Yeah. Um, I think that's, you just dropped a gem when you, when you say things happen, they don't happen to you, they happen for you. And yeah. That's, I mean, I think that, that is it speaks to your perspective right and and being able to see the glass half full which i think is i think is like 85 to 90 percent of the battle is really the perspective and how you view um you know how you view situations so do you you know i'm always I, i'm kind of the mindset of you go into the the thing you go into situations uh, whether that's a new job whether that's you know certain opportunities not expecting do you do you move expecting things to be to go right because now you're in this place and you have some experience now or is your perspective whether it goes right or it goes wrong we're still going to figure this thing out how do you what is your mindset now when you know when it comes to dealing with uh, potential setbacks or failures and whether it's your business or an event going right or you know whatever yeah, I think that I've always been a pretty optimistic person. So when it comes to anything, um, I typically am like, it'll be fine. I, I, I think even in my um, bio and Instagram, it's like, all will be well. Because I am just, uh, I'm just a believer that things will work out. So, you know, most times I go into situations and I'm like, it'll, it'll be fine. And even if something does go wrong, I think that I have the skills or the experience to fix whatever may go wrong. So, um, yeah, like I, I just, I'm, I think it's part of just like who I am. I'm a, just an extremely positive person. So I, I just think that things will work out. And <laughs> now I'm curious because so I, I, I've DJed for probably like ten years. I've done, I do probably, I don't know, I will not, not with COVID-19, but right, right. I do, I, I was doing a lot of weddings each year and, mm-hmm. and um, it's very interesting because, you know, I tell people, even from a DJ standpoint, like there are certain parts of that wedding that have to go right. You right. have one right. shot at announcing the bride and groom right. and the first dance song and right. saying the names, like there, you, you don't get a... Have you ever had some, have you ever, I'm just curious, man. You ever had a wedding go south? Oh, I would say, <laughs> I haven't had a whole wedding go south, but I have had situations that were very, very tough to deal with. So um, like two that come to mind 
one, I, like you said, there's with weddings, there's things that you just have to hit. Right. And for me as a planner, that's the whole thing. Um, and so, um, there's obviously parts where it's like, okay, this didn't happen, but there, for me, it's like everything needs to be on point. And so a few years ago, I uh, planned a wedding for a same sex couple and I give my vendors a ton of information beforehand, rehearse everything. Um, But their officiant was someone from their church. So I didn't interact with her a ton. Uh, We had email conversations. We we hopped on the phone a couple of times, um, but they really wanted to lead um, the conversation with her. So I I didn't talk to her as much as I normally talk to my vendors. Well, anyway, um, you know, I review her script. All of those things are things that I normally do, but in this instance, I didn't. Um, But when she announced the couple, she announced them as Mr. and Mrs. And it was two women. And I was just like, you know, it's like, ugh. And, you know, of course the couple walks away and they immediately get upset with me. And I'm like, that's your officiate, right? I told you I wanted to talk to her. You guys said it was canceled. And, you know, all I've explained, and this was a few years ago. So, um, it's, you know, not like right after uh, same-sex marriage was um, made legal, but, you know, it's not as common as now. As now, So this was like, you know, maybe five years ago or so. And, you know, I just... <laughs> I just, you know, all of the other vendors that I worked with, I just explained, like, it's two women, you know, and everybody was fine with it. Everybody was, you know, but I just wanted to be sensitive to that fact. And they had some family members that were coming that didn't necessarily support it, but they wanted to be there. So these are all things that I had briefed all of the other vendors about, like just being sensitive to their situation. And of course, the one vendor that they want to take charge of, like, messes that up. And I was just like, Ugh, you know, so that was something I had to work through. And then another time I had a DJ that was two hours late and he was providing the sound for the ceremony and the reception. Um, and luckily, you know, I'm calling him he's like, I'm, I'm in this crazy traffic. Like, I don't know. I don't know what he, I don't know if he was lying or what, but whatever the case was, he was two hours late. Um, but luckily in my car, I had like this, um, like this big speaker that had a mic attached to it because we had used it the day before for their rehearsal. And so I just pulled that out. The, it wasn't the best sound, but the officiant was, everybody was able to hear the officiant. Um, And so we did the ceremony through that. We did the cocktail hour playing that music. And then by the time the cocktail hour was over, the DJ was there and set up and was able to do the reception. Um, And so That's why I tend to, like I said, be positive because it's like you can always come up with a solution. And to this day, that couple still recommends me to people and they knew their DJ was late, but I don't think they realized like how late he was and all of the other, you know, things that went around it. But um, yeah, you know, things will work out. (laughs) I was two two hours late to a wedding. I just... I would just have to say, you know what? I'm not showing up. There's no way I could pull up two hours. It's, well, yeah. and, and that's the thing. He was about to not come, but then I was <laughs> I don't know how I'm going to get through the reception. Right. So he came. He did it. I've never used him again. I hope he doesn't listen to this podcast. But, uh, <laughs> um, yeah, but I just, you know, I had to adjust. 
so yeah, the, definitely things have gone crazy at weddings that we've had to troubleshoot. But most of the time, our clients don't know about it. <laughs> yeah. So if you could go back, um, whether it's, well, I'm not going to say necessarily go back, but yeah, we'll, we'll say go back. What would, I know that you have, I think your perspective is one, I mean, I, I think is you have a, a very unique experience being able to grow up with a grandfather who's an entrepreneur who kind of had your mom kind of be, you know, this, this serial entrepreneur and watching her hustle and, you know, kind of having them be a straight shooter and, you know, having sisters, you know, having sisters and having a sister who has several businesses. And so also having kind of that perspective kind of at an earlier age of like glass half full. Right. But it's really interesting because, you know, the more, you know, as I talk to people, you know, I think um, the glass half full perspective, I think is like a, it's almost like a revolutionary one. Because mm-hmm. I think, you know, society really is kind of based off of, if you look at glass half full and you have the perspective that things are going to be okay, then you, you ain't, you're not going to go out and buy all the toilet paper, you know, right, you're going to save right. a little bit of TP right. for somebody. Right. Um, but I mean, what would you what would you say to that that young man, young woman, or that younger version uh, of Leslie, and 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 letting them know, like now, kind of going through some things, and you had the perspective that things were going to be okay, but being able to go through it and actually seeing, like, oh shoot, I thought things would be okay, but then things were really tough, mm-hmm. and then they ended up being okay. Now having that learned experience, right? What could you say to that person who hasn't? Who have who hasn't really gone through that yet, right. or, or maybe is in the middle of it right now um, right. about kind of what it looks like on the other end of that that uh, that heel. Yeah, I mean, I'm glad you asked that because I don't, I am not naive to the fact that um, I got a huge head start, right? Like I got a nice setup, um, and it's not like my sisters and I talk about that all the time. I know that. Um, I think that I would still be where I am today if thing, if I had like a different upbringing, because I just think that I have a hustle in me. Um, but definitely, I don't think that I would have gotten here maybe at the age or, you know, without it, you know, with, I would have, I would have had a few more scars on me before I got to that point. So I'm not naive to the fact that other people, um, in order to start businesses or to get over hurdles, have to go through a lot more than what I've gone through. So I definitely get that. And I think when I talk to other entrepreneurs, like I'm very straight about that. Like my parents set me up, like the fact that I, you know, was able to go to college, like that's not an opportunity that everybody is able to have. Like I understand that. Um, But I think that for me, when I talk to other people that don't necessarily have the kind of, you know, foundation that I was given, it's about, maybe you didn't have the same start, but you want a different finish. Right. And so it's not about like, Oh gosh, like my parents didn't do this for me. Or, you know, my boss told me I was stupid. Like all of those things are things that happen in the past. And in order for you to live the life that you want to have, you have to live and act in the present. And so my thinking is, that you just have to use all of those experiences to um, use those experiences 
for the, for positive. Like I said before, like those things weren't done to you. They were done for you. So what can you, what, what can you spin off of something negative that happened to you? Okay. Your boss called you stupid. Okay. Well maybe, um, that gave you the opportunity to look for another job. And that boss gave you an opportunity to start your own business. So like, those are, that's the way that I think that people should look at things like, yeah, like that sucked, but what can I do? What can I learn? What can I grow? How can I grow from that and kind of redirect um, from going to a place that's not where I want to go? So um, yeah, I think that that's for me, this huge and what I try to tell entrepreneurs that are under me and care to ask for my opinion. (laughs) (laughs) She's like, and care to listen to. Yeah. (laughs) What you said makes a lot of sense, man. I, I, I think that's that's one of the reasons why I named this podcast "Fail to Grow." Like, mm-hmm. I could I could have put "Failed, comma to Grow," you know, because I I do think that, and it's a play on words, right? Like, you there's going to be some setbacks, some 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 failures, some disappointment along the path of if you're if you're ever trying to do anything great, if you're ever trying to become something more, um, I think there's going to be a period of being uncomfortable. There's going to be a period of things not going well. And I think if you, that that's going to be a part of it, but if you don't learn from it, then you'll actually fail to grow. You won't, you won't grow. You won't, you know, if you, if your boss called you stupid and you didn't use as, as an opportunity, that uncomfortable opportunity, that opportunity of being uncomfortable as an opportunity to say, well, maybe this isn't the right place. Okay, let me sit down and let me prioritize or get my priorities straight. Maybe this is, is this what I really want to be? You know, do I really want to be in this industry and then use that as fuel to go to something else? Then you'll still be at that job, right? And you'll still be at that job and you'll just be the coworker who's complaining in the break room. Oh man, oh man, Mike always is, oh. oh." Then you'll look around and everybody else has moved on because Mike, they didn't, they got tired of Mike too. But right. they use that as fuel and they were able to grow from that experience. So, right. um, and Mike is making triple what you're making and yeah. he's going home and living his best life and <laughs> he's going on vacation. <laughs> uh, and so, I mean, it's not your PTO, but he's going, exactly, yeah, exactly, yeah. exactly, exactly. And so it's like, if you keep on, you know, dwelling on that, you're going to stay where you are. And so use that to, to move on. So, I mean, this has been good, man. I, I think that there is, this has been a lot of value. Um, I think your perspective is one that, that I think is dope, man. I, 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 I definitely see, uh, I think this is, I think this is really, uh, it's showing kind of kids are sponges, number one, right. And they soak up things at a very, very early age. And I think for those people who have, who may have kids or are thinking about having kids or, you know, have nieces, nephews, you know, or people who are just in their influence, coaching little league or whatever, um, Girl Scouts, Boy Scouts, whatever that is, or even at the church, like this idea of perspective, I think um, for me, it was, it was rooted and grounded in faith. Um, Mm -hmm. But this idea of just perspective is really important. And it's, People may not get it now. They may not understand it now, but it's dropping the little dot. So that way, 10, 15, 20 years from now, they can say connect four. I can see how a move a long time ago, which I never thought would make sense, is helping me to win this game of life now. So right. I appreciate you sharing. 
Um, this has been good, man. Can you tell people where they can uh, follow you? I know you you have a couple of different uh, ventures that you're doing. Um, so shout out your Instagram handles or, you know, people who may be getting married or maybe they're going to have a divorce party or maybe they're going to want to do vows or maybe they have some corporate events or something like that. Uh, or maybe, yeah. hey, maybe Coachella will call you up, man, when they when they need to reschedule. Maybe, maybe. <laughs> One of my vendors is actually, uh, she just got a contract with Coachella, so she's done it. She did the last year, and she'll do it this year later on when it's rescheduled. So maybe they'll call me too. Yeah. Uh, but yeah, uh, my business is Leslie Marie Events. We specialize in weddings and fundraisers, but um, really will host any celebration um, as I said before, we're a planning and design company. So pretty much once you know what you want to celebrate, we will help you from beginning to end to execute that. Um, so you can find us on Instagram at Leslie Marie Events. Um, our website was just relaunched last month. So you can go to LeslieMarieEvents.com um, and you can see past weddings. You can see um, a blog. You can see um, our services and learn more about our team. Um, and then also, I just, um, as you kind of mentioned a little bit earlier with my sisters, um, we are opening up a wine bar in Inglewood, which will open, yeah, in the fall. Um, all things, you know, <laughs> all, with all things going on, hopefully still then. Um, and it is an upscale wine bar in Inglewood. We're going to serve some really good food and serve some really good wines. Um, and so we're excited about that opening up. So that's called 1010 Wine and Events. And so you can follow us on Instagram. We do, um, we give away bottles of wine a couple times a month. Um, we have um, some shirts that we'll be giving away soon just to kind of get people excited about us opening. Um, and then hopefully in the fall, you'll join us um, at 1010. Cool. Well, Leslie, I appreciate it, man. This has been really good. I will make sure that I put all the links uh, to everything in the show notes. Cool. Um, I appreciate it. People will be able to see this um, on, on our Instagram, but then, you know, we'll upload this podcast to like, all the podcast sites and Apple and Spotify and Google play and all that. And then we'll make sure you get, you get a copy of this, man. I appreciate it. Thanks for having me on. It was fun. Yeah, this was good. I appreciate it. And we will, uh, we'll talk soon. All right. Take care. Right. Be safe. <laughs> hey, connect four, man. Make sure you win. Don't let oh them. My God. Like literally I was hoping you didn't hear them. Like my family's like in the other, like, that's what we've been playing. Don't, don't let the, don't let the little kids beat you, man. Cause right? they, they will never let you play it down. <laughs> All right, thank you, Leslie. All right, take care. Thank you. Feel to grow. I guess.